This is 20 Questions on Design Lake City, and I'm Aaron. Today we have Izzy Esposito on the show with us. Thanks for coming, Izzy. Happy to be here. It's great to finally get you on the show. Izzy and I, full disclosure, work together at Klugonics as industrial designers. And, um, you know, so we talk pretty much every day, but um, this will be fun to get your, you know, deep insight into design-related issues. Um, Izzy is a transplant to Salt Lake. How long have you been in Salt Lake, Izzy? Like around a year and a half now, I think, which is crazy to think about. I'm finally starting to to repeat times of year, which is pretty fun for me. Oh, gotcha. Like this is your second September. Yeah, yeah. This is like my second fall. I like I know what's what's gonna happen now. Mm-hmm. And I think next spring will be new since we didn't have much of a spring this year. <laughs> but don't you don't you like expect um more natural disasters now? Like what's the next crazy thing that's gonna happen? Yes. I had never been in earth in an earthquake before this year. And I had no idea that those happened here. Yeah. I spend, Connecticut does not have any natural disasters. So, um, neither does Ohio really. So this is my, my first natural disaster location that I'm living in. (laughs) Um, earth, earthquakes are like pretty fresh. But other than that, Salt Lake has been absolutely wonderful. Mm. After being in Salt Lake for a year and a half on a scale of one to 10, what's your, what's your score of Salt Lake's coolness? (laughs) coolness um definitely a lot higher than i thought i mean i had never been to salt lake before i got on a plane to move here i definitely even though i told you in my email when we were emailing that i was definitely moving there i mean i guess i was definitely moving here either way but um i definitely did not know what to expect but i would definitely say you know i mean like nine out of ten like salt lake is a yeah, I mean, I think like on my own scale, I don't know if that's everyone's scale, but I I don't I look for a like a mid-sized city where like things are going on, but it's not like a New York or an LA where it sort of swallows you up and you feel like even when you're outside, you're really inside. Mm. And I mean, you you can't beat the access to the mountains that you have here, you know, like I can't think of another place where I could live where I can drive 10 minutes and go on a hike and then drive 20 more minutes and be in the desert and then drive 20 more minutes and go skiing, you know? That's great. I'm, I'm glad like Salt Lake could surprise you with the goodness. That's super ballsy of you to um, move out here, but not like have visited first. Yeah. I mean, when I, I, I grew up like in the same house for my entire childhood and my mom and dad have both lived within like a 40 mile radius of where I grew up their whole lives and they still do. And Mm. I felt like I wanted to go to college and see a different part of the country. So I chose the Midwest and went to Ohio state in Columbus and didn't know anyone there. And Columbus really surprised me. And, um, you know, you go, you move to a new place and you don't know anyone. And then a year later you have like a whole life there and all these connections and people that are super important to you. And after college, I did the same thing and moved to a new part of the country and chose the mountains. And I feel the same way, you know, a year after living here, I have so many people here that mean so much to me. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So you're like already a pro at relocating. Yeah. I think it's a, 
it's a good it's a good skill to, that I'm still developing and a good a good skill to have. Right. Yeah. Especially as a professional, yeah, kind of like yeah. bounce around, follow the work sometimes. Yeah, getting to meet so many different people, you know, from like totally different areas around around the country and around the world, and just it's it's been a lot of fun. So let's do some twenty questions. You ready? Fire away. By the way, this recording was our first attempt at doing an interview over the phone and over um, with like a new app, and we had some tec- technical difficulties. So hopefully, it doesn't make the interview too weird. But here we go. First questions are warm up questions. Okay. If not a designer, what would you be? Okay, so I have two answers to this question. Mm-hmm. I would like to be a chef because I love to, I think the main thing is just we like doing something with your hands, you know? And I think being, I love, love, love to cook. My whole family is so centered around cooking, but I'm not necessarily a late night person. So I don't know if the chef, like I, a real, I would love to be a chef, but I'm not sure if the chef life would want me. Um, so my second answer to that question is like a professional, like a potter, like a ceramic artist, I think would just be a dream come true. Awesome. Question number two, what is something everyone should do or try at least once in their life? Repetitive answer because I just said this, but I really think that everyone should try, um, should try ceramics or like try like throwing on a wheel specifically. I'm not too much of a hand building fan but i just think the meditative quality of it and the manipulative quality of it like clay is just so flexible and like being able like you can just sit there and play around for like an hour you know and like time just goes by so quickly and you're you're constantly like doing and exploring and there's it's super meditative i would say that everyone should everyone should try that once it's very accessible thing to try (laughs) Did you say accessible? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can just go to the store and get some clay and just mess around with it with your kids. Yeah. Like I like so I feel like some people would say like, oh, you have to skydive once in your life. Like not mm-hmm. everyone can skydive, but mostly everyone can do this. Question three. What design trend do you hope dies in 2021? A design trend that I hope dies in 2021 is yeah. like pretend rustic items. I think that's the silliest thing. Like when they sell like signs that are have like part of the paint scratched off or look pretend rusted. I think that's super silly. Or even like t-shirts that are, are like pre-distressed. Yeah, definitely. Like just wear it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll, and then it'll, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of doing that. <laughs> like t-shirts. Yeah. I, mean, I think we're all guilty. <laughs> Who has time to wear jeans until they rip. Okay, question four. What is your favorite book on creativity or design that you'd like to share with the audience? So I'm not necessarily like a favorites person. I have a hard time with that. And so I don't necessarily have a book that calls out of my mind, but that question does call out to me a museum. I have a favorite museum. Um, I think it's called the Danish Museum of Art and Design. It's in Copenhagen. And uh, if I had to pick a favorite maybe like design experience that's in, it's not necessarily a book but i would recommend going there mm. 
and it's just just like the modern museum in Copenhagen. Yeah, the, I mean, I I'm a super big fan of Scandinavian design, and I'm not sure if it's a, perf- a permanent installation there. But when I went, they had like this room that looked like a beehive, and like this whole area that was dedicated to chair design and furniture design, which is um, definitely something that I'm super passionate about. And I like how they really they give equal time and attention to all these different designs like they had like wicker rocking chairs and then like these super like crazy plastic molded modern pieces and like how they all tie together and just did a really great job of putting you in the space and explaining things well i like it so if you can't make it to copenhagen get the exhibit book find find the book online Question five, the origin story question. How did you get your start in design? Both of my parents are architects and they uh, own, they've owned, they owned a company for a while when I was younger um, and are still both working in architecture. And I grew up in a very creative environment. Mm. Um, And when I was younger, there was this website called stumbleupon.com that I think a lot of people uh some people might be familiar with it was sort of like the original like surfing the web and uh you could pick like different subjects to like that you were interested in stumbling on like dogs or something like that and my mom told me I was really interested in architecture and my mom was like, you should look at this thing called industrial design and stumble upon. I found had an industrial design filter on it. And that's honestly really how I got into it. Cause she, she told me about that. And then I would just be looking at all these things online. And it was this website that would like give you like a random website and you would click stumble and it would take you to a new website or a new article or a new video. Mm-hmm. You could, it was like endless. It was, it was really, really cool. That does sound cool. Is that still around? I mean, I can check it no, out. No, I don't think so. I think they shut it down, which is a real shame because it was a really fun way to just explore and find things that I never, ever would have found on my own. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got interested. So I knew from a pretty young age that the area of, of product design and industrial design was, was something I, I wanted to get into. Okay, so question six. What project should you be known for? I think the project that I would like to be known for thus far is the colony trail bag that we um, designed at Kluganics. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mostly because for a couple reasons, it's because it's a, like a an idea or a reason for a product that I think I can really stand behind. It's a, like a bag that you use to collect trash off the trail when you're hiking or to be more responsible about packing out your own trash. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that I think is super important. And I also think that I, it's really important to me because I don't necessarily think that it's a hundred percent my own. I think the client had a lot of, really good influence on it and you know there's certain things that i can see there that that you told like like that were your ideas and i think that's sort of the mark of a really great product is when the collaboration is super clear in the end product nice and and that's a project that you know people can go check out on online right or like they have an instagram feed and yeah for sure they they had a kickstarter and they might have an indiegogo still going um i'm not sure but yeah you can definitely get one 
colony, I forget the full title, like colony. Colony cleanup. Colony cleanup. Okay. That's easy enough to remember. Yeah. Question seven. Where do you go to find inspiration? I take a lot of inspiration from architecture. I love, you know, like specifically residential, I think probably more than like commercial buildings. I think houses are more interesting, but then like furniture, I think, you know, like a lot of, a lot of furniture has just like super elegant lines to it that like you don't necessarily find in, um, in products. And I think furniture is a lot, you know, most chairs, all it has to do is someone has to be able to sit on it. So there's a lot of room for just designing for beauty and I think a lot of nest sometimes the products that we're challenged with designing have a lot of constraints to them. So it's nice to be inspired by something that's really more driven by by just the the beauty aspect of it. Mm. Okay, so uh, how about a few Salt Lake related questions? Okay, where is your happy place in in Salt Lake? Like outside of the office or your house? <laughs> I would say Avenue Twin Peaks is is a pretty good answer. I think that's probably one of the most beautiful hikes in Salt Lake. The The view of the city is just gorgeous. And I've hiked that hike probably more than any other hike. I think I've probably done it like 20 times. Yeah, that's so that's the one you're like always posting the sunset. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. And in the spring, the wildflowers there, it's it's amazing. Is there like an like an official trailhead? Or do you just kind of like have to park at the top of like a random avenue street to get get there? No, there is an official. It's actually a pretty big network of trails and you can sort of like take different routes wherever wherever you want. It's, it is funny because you do park in front of a bunch of people's houses and I can't imagine they like that. Um, and then there's like a couple options where you can where you can go up and there's like a shorter one that we go to a lot. And then Avenue Twin Peaks itself is... Um, like a little bit longer of a hike. It's like three miles or so. Nothing, nothing too bad, but it's definitely a spot to check out. Three miles. Okay. Yeah. That's not, that's not like one to take your three-year-old on. No, but the other one is the shorter one is I'll, I'll show you where it is. Cool. Okay. Future plan. Question nine. What could Salt Lake do better to support creatives? In Stanford, Connecticut, my town. Um, they do this thing every year where they use like one item, like like a cow or like a car or something, and there are these like blank sculptures, and then they commission like a bunch of artists, like whoever wants to can submit, and I'm sure there's like a process where they narrow down, but then they paint them with whatever they want, and then they set them all around the city every year, and it's really crazy to see like what different people due to the same exact thing and then after they auction them off and people like have them in their front yards and stuff and i think it's a really cool way to visibly see the art community everywhere in public spaces and sort of celebrate that and i think that if salt lake had something like that it would it would be really cool that's cool i'm trying to think of like what are um what like an appropriate statue for salt lake would be and like the the moroni with the horn came to mind do you you know that one that on the top of the, there's um a, a guy playing like a trumpet horn on on the, on the top of the temple mm-hmm. um, i don't know why that can be minor like you know just some kind of like angel characters or something from the book of mormon i don't know yeah totally that or like moose 
or like any a snake. I don't know. I always think of animals when I do it, but I guess yeah. Be um, yeah. I think I think that's super fun. The ominous moose from like the Cottonwoods Trail or something. Let's go to some practice-related questions, kind of design, design practice-related. Okay, so the first one of those is, what's your definition of success as a designer? I would say my definition of success is, and I think about you, I think you and I talked about this a lot, but getting to the point where you're really seen as like an expert and sort of like a trusted a trusted person in this situation where sort of like the decisions that I'm making, um, especially, you know, by like by our clients or colleagues and stuff is, is seen as something to be trusted. And I don't know when, when that comes or when, if there's a day where I'll, where I'll feel that way, but I think as long as I I get to there, I'll, I'll feel successful. And, and you're pretty young. So I think you'll, you'll get there. Like in, in your younger years, for sure. Do you ever get nervous? And like, how do you how do you deal with your nerves if you get nervous, like doing a presentation or something? Oh, absolutely! I get nervous. I get nervous all the time. Um, and I think before uh, going into college, I guess for design, I specifically chose it because I thought that I wouldn't have to speak in front of people. And I think that um, was a very wrong thought obviously because every project you do you have to present all your work in front of everyone and now i mean all the time we have meetings with clients and have to explain our thoughts and explain our concepts and and why we like them and i think that for me it's learning small little tricks slower Mm. has helped me sort of giving my brain time to catch up with what my head is saying and maybe taking breaths in in between yeah and i i mean practice you know like i think i have so so much to learn um you know i feel like when i first started i would like write down things that you would say and kick off meetings <laughs> like I think this is to take your. Te- this is just to take your temperature on on how you feel about these things. I remember like writing that down and then like trying to like, use that when I would lead the meetings for the first time. Well, that's what's great about that. I didn't make that up. I got that from another designer that I worked with. So really, <laughs> yep. just passing it along. Yeah, um, I used to. I used to like write down the whole presentation. Like I would make like four pages of notes and just write every word that I wanted to say. And really? Yeah. And I didn't always have to like use it, but it would just like help, help me like prepare and like calm my nerves. You know, if I, if I, if I felt like I could go back to my notes if I needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a, a writer. I, when I study for tests and things like that, I write everything down over and over again. I think in a lot of our presentations I have, when we talk to clients, I always make sure to write everything down on the screen and then just sort of try to read them really quickly in my head before we start talking. Cause otherwise I will forget super important points. <laughs> yeah. These are all yeah, good thoughts. So kind of speaking of, do you have a secret weapon? I would say that my secret weapon, which is pretty lame is for more, more of a practical answer would be Photoshop and specifically in Photoshop 
just being able to trace things. I think that's, and I think this might've been one of your other questions, but I think a big myth about designers is that they just are able to draw. Mm. And I mean, I'm sure some people out there who have had 30 year long careers are able to do this, but at this point in my career, I'm not able to just draw something perfectly in perspective. And I think there's nothing wrong with using using a guide to help you so i would say that's probably my secret weapon i like it yeah and no no client ever is like hmm did you trace that off of a photo they're they're just (laughs) they're just concerned about the design you can just imagine exactly how a hand is going to look in that position or or what something's going to look from an upper left perspective you know yeah drawing hands an analogy is like if I'm working on a furniture piece and I want to sand it by hand just to do the process, you know, like the length of the process and then I'll sand it by hand. But otherwise I'm getting a machine out and using an orbital sander or something like and just getting it done quick. And that's the same thing with drawing hands. Like why would I, you know, spend so much time like perfecting a hand when I could probably just take a photo of my hand holding a coffee mug and trace it in two seconds. I also feel like it helps. It helps me learn for sure. You know, like the more I do it, the more I can imagine it without it. Yeah, I, th- I think that it definitely is sort of like a like a training wheel type thing. Yeah. Where, yeah, where you can just sort of like learn to eventually I'd like to get to the point where I can at least just like draw the box that I need to draw it in and sort of get an idea for, for where it's at. Yeah, it's like studying, copying before you know how to do it on your own. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, question 13. Is there an individual in your life who was critically formative to your career and kind of motivating for you? So I have not had a long career yet, been rather short. And I guess this is a cheesy answer, but I would honestly say you. Oh. I mean, without, you know, like... Without you, I would not be working at Klu- I wouldn't have started at Klugonics to begin with. But then, I mean, you've been such a great teacher, and I always have felt that you valued what I had to say and are really, really good at giving constructive criticism. And I've learned a lot, a lot about everything from you. So. Well, that's super, super sweet. I didn't expect that answer at all. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice of you. Um, I'll, I'll, give you I'll give you cake later for that answer. <laughs> okay, so do you have some tricks or, or tips for like getting out of a creative rut? I would say that I like to sort of like frame what I need to think about or like what sort of like the problem is that I can't think of a solution to. And then give myself like one or two days and just ignore it and do a bunch of other stuff. And then I feel like in the middle of things, like while I'm making dinner or something, I'll sort of, or someone will say something that will just sort of like trigger something in me and give me the answer. I think it's, it's just time for me. Some space. Yeah. Like force yourself to come up with an answer. I think that's definitely something that, is really hard about working compared to college in college. Like I could spend as much time as I wanted thinking about one thing. And like, I knew I had a week to do this project and I could spend as many hours as I wanted thinking about it. And I could work on it at one in the morning, but you know, now you're like much more constrained to like a certain amount of time and a certain kind of 
kind of, or excuse me, time of day. And, you know, you, you have to be creative right now. And I think, I think that's very difficult. So whenever I can give myself time to think about it in the off time, I think definitely helps me. Yeah. And that's a good argument. Having a good work-life balance where you do have time to go on a hike and clear your mind. And then as designers, sometimes the value is just that one aha, brilliant idea. And if it takes you 20 hours to get there, the client doesn't care. They just wanted that perfect idea. So if you need, if you need to go and hike and clear your mind to get it, then do what you got to do. Yeah. I also think, I mean, it sounds so, so obvious, but just bouncing your ideas off another person. Mm. I think that's definitely what I miss the most about being in the office, not being able to ask you just like, what do you think about this? Or how would you solve this problem? I think that that just always opens up so many more ideas that I never would think of on my own. Yeah, it it makes me think about, so we've been six months working from home, you know, a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the country, a lot of the world. And it makes me wonder if working from home is a good idea for certain professions, design being one of those, of course, is that conducive to like good design to be kind of isolated in your home or and it's different than it would be for artists right like for, for artists they're kind of doing their thing and then you know they just need that focus yeah. but like for design it's a little different so yeah i don't know I, I i i'm kind of thinking like after six months that it's not good for designers to be isolated i definitely agree with that i honestly think for everyone i mean i have i have a friend who's working from home and we were talking recently and he's a coder and that was something that I was like, oh, yeah, you can definitely work from home. Like that doesn't, and there, his company is working from home till next July, they already announced. And um, he was like, no, I, I really don't like it. You know, like I like bouncing my ideas off other people. And I think the loss of company culture is, is going to be really difficult in the, the sense of innovation and what's new. and talking to other people I think is just something that you can't replicate from home mm. unless we just sat on a Google on a Zoom all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you what you end up doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think this next question is a good one, kind of a good segue to debunking a myth about design. Is there a myth for you that you'd like to debunk about design? It sort of relates to what I was saying about um, Photoshop before, but mm-hmm. I think a myth is that people just come up with ideas out of the blue and that you have completely original ideas. Um, I think everyone is like so like competitive and like making sure that no one else is copying them, but every single idea comes from something else you've seen, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think that working off you know, the like collective innovation and, and thought of others is like what gets us to where we are. This has come up in past episodes, the idea of like originality, pure original design and pure original thought, create creative yeah, work. Totally. Just a myth. It's like every everything builds off like what came before it. Totally. I'm jumping around in the questions a little bit. So back to the first section, what needs a redesign? not a physical product. I'm not sure if it, if it has to be, but I would say our entire interaction with food in every step of the way from 
grocery shopping in a grocery store to like how our kitchens work and how we store food at home like the way the amount of food that we throw away and like the way that we store things and the the quantities we buy them in is just all so inconvenient and like not really conducive to like the way that people actually cook and eat and it's such an established system and it's the way we do things now but i think that if it were maybe looked at at more in the way that we actually like like to eat and cook that things would change a lot i love this answer because it's pretty deep if you think about rethinking the whole system around food how you buy food and how much food you store in addition just to like kitchen layout and the products involved i feel like we're kind of getting there in a way with everybody during the pandemic you know or a lot of people like ordering food pretty consistently off of um like amazon eats or getting getting groceries delivered i've felt for a while that you could categorize things and some certain parts of the of your like food collection you could have rationed and like delivered and like almost just the same stuff you know every week yeah you don't need to make a grocery list of the same thing every week can it just be there available for you and then there are like special items or perishable items that you can kind of like pick and choose from like your proteins and what and produce and stuff how do you break those things up and instead of having like just the one clearinghouse of where you get all your food and where you store all your food are there more nuances yeah that's what comes to mind for me. What what about for you? What are some of like the details that you would kind of get into? I feel like we, I mean, I feel like there's, it's out there like the proper ways to store food, but I think that we just like automatically like refrigerate everything and like expect everything to like last a super long time. And like, I wish that it were more casual and explorative. I, every time I go to the grocery store, I like to buy one thing that I've never cooked with before or like haven't cooked with in a super long time. Mm. Um, and then just like try to use it a bunch and, and see what happens. And I think that for cooking, like the secret sauce is literally sauce. <laughs> Knowing how to like, and for like explore, like you can make a sauce out of literally anything and being able to like explore and, and make different sauces, I think is like where the best, where the best cooking come from comes from. So I kind of go back and forth. Like, yeah, you want all these things. Like you want to have all your tools and like all everything that you want there. But then at the same time, I think it's like crazy how much food we all have in our houses at one time. And then how much you end up throwing away unless you're extremely careful. Right. How much goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. Things could be smarter. Our refrigerators could give us more feedback about like what's going bad or what needs to be used or how we could use something. Yeah. And I wish there was a situation where you could just securely get food that wasn't in packages. I think food packaging is insane. Like the fact that the cereal is in like this plastic sealed thing in the, I I know it all has to be that way for safety purposes, but I, I wish. So that's, I love Trader Joe's, but I have big beef with them on the way that they overpackage their food. They like package their zucchinis, you know? I know we, we love like the prepackaged salads, but yeah, it's like every, the hazelnuts and the cheese and this, every, everything, this dressing, everything's like prepackaged and it's like a lot of plastic Yeah, when you're done. Yeah. I think the, the overpackaging is 
a huge issue in the, the end. Yeah, like you go to Costco and you buy like the individually packaged stuff and it just feels so wasteful. <laughs> okay, so we have two more questions, one serious and one not serious. Okay. What is the future of design for you? I think the future of design will be headed in just a much more iterative track, which I, th- or what I hope, this is where I hope the future of design goes to a more iterative track. I think, you know, like, 3D printers are becoming so commonplace. Like I have a 3D printer in my house. Um, and like we, we just got this this thing in our office that's a laser cutter and a CNC and just the ability to put things in three dimensions so quickly and be able to test things out. Um, and having it feel like, I think when, when 3D printing something feels like printing out a PDF document, I think that then then I'll know I'm in the future <laughs> um, when you can just sort of print things out and test them and go again. And when, when doing that becomes more nonchalant, I think that's where the future of, of design should go. I love it. That's a great answer. It makes me think about people in the past who would be just flabbergasted by watching a desk, desktop printer do its thing and just shoot out like pages from a book like in half a second yeah yeah totally just yeah the ability to just nonchalantly explore things like that i think we struggle a lot in our process right now with just not being able to put things in 3d form as often as we want to you know like maybe in 30 years am i gonna have like a baby injection molder in my house or some like crazy thing like who knows um but I think just just being able to learn really quickly um, through these sort of like 2D to 3D devices is where, where it should go or where it could go. I always think of Star Trek, The Next Generation, how so much of our technology is just going to, it's, it's like already been predict, predicted from that show. Like the classic example is like iPads. They're basically like using iPads, you know, 90s when that show was out. Like as you know tablets for like the doctors doing their assessments and stuff but i think it was called the replicator that was like the little microwave sized device that you could like print it would basically like materialize like a cup of tea the cup and the tea within seconds and i, I oh that's cool i was thinking of that yeah like yeah just it'll print you the cup and the tea at the same time i don't know if you've seen that movie um they have a part where they just like type, they press like a button or they type something in and they're in this like spaceship and like a hamburger comes out that like was like printed basically, I guess is sort of what the illusion is, the idea that they can just like zap food into being. Right. Yeah. Same idea. It's like, how far off is that? I don't, I don't know. I think that might be in our lifetimes. There's some form of it. I feel like 3D printing always like has this promise, at least for like the past 10 years, has like had so much promise and potential but just stuff hasn't really happened very quickly like there were people printing like cake five or six years ago right oh, yeah. but i haven't <laughs> i haven't tried it and i'm in the business so it must not be very successful i guess i think 3d printing will like almost more take an industrial turn like they have those these crazy 3d printers that, i mean i don't know if you can call it a printer um that can print like concrete houses like concrete floor plans and stuff yeah i feel like that like perfect framing for like buildings and and stuff like that would be 
it, if that was more commonplace, you know, like a, that can be working 24 um, seven. I don't know how awesome that is. What kind of effect that has when you can like take it, take it out into the field and it does stuff like it doesn't, you don't have to like leave it on a, a printing bed or whatever. It doesn't have to be in the office. Like you can, it's yeah. basically like, it's kind of, you know, it becomes like a mobile robot at that point. Right. It's like a robot that has like a, a nozzle at the end of it that can like shoot out concrete in layers and walk around a job site and just lay the concrete like 48 hours straight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they'll have like a robot that'll like go and fill potholes as they, as they <laughs> like in real time. That would be the best application of that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. We should work on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last question. Random. Speaking of random, what random skill do you wish you were better at? I would really like to be able to do a handstand. I think that um, everything that is required of doing a handstand, like all the skills combined that you need are all skills that I don't know if I have and definitely don't have to this extent. And I think putting them all together in that application is definitely something I'd like to do, but the, the patience and the strength I think are both um, skills that I, that I think would be very beneficial to me. That's good. It's, it's like one of those exercises where if you can do that, then you've got all the strengths, you've got the core and upper body and the balance. There's like a lot. Yeah. You're proving like your, your Jedi power by being able to do a handstand. Yeah. I think that that it's something that seems really unachievable to me. And I, I know that it is. And, and hopefully eventually I, I'll be able to get there. <laughs> There's hope for you. I think I learned handstands when I was ar- around your age. Yeah. Like 24, 25. I had, I had broken both my shoulders snowboarding or oh, my, God. yeah, my early twenties. So yeah, I didn't know, like, I didn't think I would ever be able to do a handstand and like, I was like pretty determined and, so yeah, I actually like was, um, there was a point when I could walk across a room on my hands. Yeah. That was like just the huge, hugest achievement for me. And like, so anything you put your mind to Izzy. Okay. Well, you'll have to tell me what steps you took to get there. <laughs> yeah. There are things to do. Mostly it's just getting up against the wall and just like sweat, sweating your ass off <laughs> practicing. Yeah. I think my thing is just finding a space where I can do that. I feel like my house is so small. There's like no possible place for me to do that without like knocking over things or injuring myself. Yeah. If you have a low ceiling somewhere, that's helpful because you can like put your feet on the ceiling and kind of like balance yourself that way. Oh, okay. Pro tip. Cool. I think that's 20 questions. I kind of lost track, but we, <laughs> we, we did a lot of questions and that was fun. Thank you. That was really, really cool to get some of your insights and hopefully like some of the technical difficulties and don't trip up the recording too much but we'll do what we can to like edit it yeah thanks for having me i feel so honored to be on here of course yeah i'm so glad we were able to get you on um and uh thanks yeah thanks for being the guinea pig in this kind of like new new setup of uh trying to do recordings remote yeah hopefully it's just my computer hopefully i'm the issue (laughs) right i know I hope you're the issue too. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll keep trying different stuff. Anyway, thanks thanks so much again, and we'll talk tomorrow. <laughs>